Masechet Besadaf 31. We have four topics today. The first one is about gathering firewood. Second one is about chopping firewood. The third one is accessing fruit that's behind a wall that you put there for storage. And the fourth one is about untying knots. So a uh, lot of different things that we want to do on Yom Tov, but they're all for the purpose of help, helping to celebrate, enjoy Yom Tov and access food and be able to cook it. And what are the parameters to still treat it in a respectful way and remember that is in fact a holiday. So we begin. So ideas we want to go and gather firewood, not on Shabbat. That is a, a big problem. We know what happened to that guy, but rather on Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, it's okay to gather firewood because you are allowed to make a fire. So the problem is not with the kindling of it, but rather with mukseh. You have to have in mind that you're going to use this firewood beforehand. So here's the parameters. How can you tell in, in practice whether you have you had this firewood in mind or not? It depends. If you're bringing it from a field or an open field or an enclosed yard. If it's an enclosed yard, then it's more likely that you had in mind to use what's in the yard because it's enclosed. It's used for storage. Whereas in a field, that's just random things that are strewn around. However, even in a field, if it's mechunas, if it's gathered together. So before Yom Tov, you went to your field and you gathered a whole bunch into a pile. That shows I intend to use it for Yom Tov. That's permitted. Or if it's in a yard that's enclosed, even if it's scattered all over the place, the fact that it's in an enclosed yard means it's protected and also means I would intend to use it. So you need either in a, in a, in a yard or gathered in a field. That's the first opinion. Now, Ezehu Karpev, That's actually the only opinion in the Mishnah. We're going to see an argument later on. What is the definition of Karpev, a yard? It has to be not only that it's enclosed, but also close to the city so that it's easily accessible. If it's far out, then you probably aren't thinking about it. But if it's close to the city, then yeah, I'll go walk for a few minutes, get some firewood, and bring it to my house. The Biyoseh has a different definition, a more stringent definition in order to be considered a yard. Not only does it have to be enclosed, it also has to have a lock on it so that people can, can't get in and out to steal the things. Um, and if it does have a lock, then even if it's far from the city, it's still okay. It has to be within Tuchum Shabbat, but otherwise I can't walk there at all. It has to be 2,000 amot. As long as I can get there, it's okay. Uh, the Gemara is going to ask, is Rabbi Yosef more mekel in Rabbi Yudah? Like Rabbi Yudah would require both a lock? Rabbi Yudah didn't say anything about a lock. So we're not sure. But would he require a lock? And Rabbi Yosef says, wait, if it has a lock, it can be farther away. He's arguing only on one thing. Or is he arguing on two things um, that Rabbi Yudah does not require a lock. Rabbi Yosef does. So he's mekel and machmir. Or is he only mekel? So that's what we're going to discuss in the Gemara, is you're arguing on one thing or on two things. All right, the Gemara now begins. Amar Shemuel. Shemuel is going to give another opinion that is different, more, more, more stringent than the first opinion here in the Mishnah. And he says, If you want to gather wood, it has to be in a yard, enclosed yard, and it has to be in a pile, in a pile in the yard. So whereas the Mishnah said either or, either in a, in a pile or in a closed yard, Shemuel needs both. 
Now, this is strange because Shemuel is an Amorah. And well, who is he to argue against the Mishnah? So that's our question. We said it can be even strewn about in, a, in, close, in an enclosed yard. And our answer is not to reject Shemuel, but rather to reject the Mishnah, which is crazy. And we say the Mishnah, that's just a minority opinion. And no, it says it's, I mean, um, it says it's a majority. See, the words of the Biuda, that probably only goes on the on definition of Karpef. They only argue about Karpef, is it this or that? But the first section is anonymous. Nevertheless, we, uh, the Gemara is saying it's a minority opinion. But this is based on the Braita. So since the Mishnah is a, Braita, is a minority opinion, Shemuel says, I disagree, I follow the majority opinion, even though it's not mentioned in the Mishnah. Where do we see this, this minority opinion, the Tanya? Well, this is important, but I because now we learn this is a whole controversy between the houses. It did not argue in the extreme cases if it's mifuzarim spread out in an open field. For sure, you can't bring it in. You didn't have that in mind. That's mukse. And if it's gathered together and also in an enclosed yard, then you have two thumbs up. And for sure, it's good. You can bring it. So that's that. That's all agreement. They argued about the two middle cases. If it's strewn about in a, in a closed yard, or if it's gathered together in a open field, in those cases, you have one factor, but not both. There, says you can bring it. So, assuming that we're going to follow Betilel and say it's okay, so that means Betilel says you only need one or the other. So the Mishnah follows Betilel. But this whole Benaita is only said by the Bishamon Ben Elazar, which implies that there is, are other sages that do not agree with this uh, layout, and they think that Betilel and Betshamai don't uh, argue in a different way, not, not, not like this. And so therefore, we see the Mishnah is following Betilel, but on according to the Bishamon Ben Elazar interpretation of it, Shemuel will follow some other source that we don't bring here, but that perhaps Shemuel himself knew that has a different um, uh, reason, has a different understanding, and thinks that is more machimir to need both of them, which is, ends up being like Shammai, according to this source. Okay, so this is a really fascinating example where the Mishnah, right, it seems that early, before the Mishnah, there was a lot of discussion about this, a lot of arguments. The Biudan Asi chose one, made it anonymous, because he wanted that to be the halacha. But Shemuel, who learned with the Biudan Asi, and is an early Amora, and uh, therefore, has still has access and a lot of authority. He can say, oh, that's a, even though he made it, even the Buddhist, he made it into a minority opinion, I think is not a minority opinion. Um, uh, even though he made it into a, a majority opinion, I think is a minority opinion. Therefore, he can reject it and follow some other baraita. Okay, so that's the first topic. Now, Amadava. Uh, so everything that we just said, that if it's gathered together in the pile, that's good. That only applies to branches that are heavy. But if you gather together leaves, uh, read these vine leaves, even if you made a nice pile before Shabbat, it's still considered scattered because the wind will come and just scatter it. However, if you put something on it, 
a vessel, a, uh, a paper holder to, uh, to weigh it down. And that shows, yes, I do want it. I do want to use this, use these. I want to roll some uh, yebla tomorrow on Yom Tov. I'm going to use these grape leaves. Then it is permitted and it's not muksin. Now, the second part of the Mishnah, Ezu Karpef, Ibayalahu, we have a question. Where the first opinion of the Biuda, he didn't say anything about locks. So, what should we assume? Here's option number one that he said that in order to, to uh, qualify to be an enclosed uh, yard, and that gives you a kula that even if it's uh, scattered, you can gather the wood, it has to be close to the city. And would, is he assuming that, it, of course, it also has to be have a, have a, a lock on it? So close to the city and a lock is a biuda. says, listen, as long as there's a lock, that's the only thing you need. It doesn't have to be close to the city. It can even be 2,000 a month away. So in that case, Rabbi Yosef would be totally lenient. He's only arguing on one point, and he's arguing to say, you don't need that requirement at all. That's all option number one. Reading number two, the Biuda, the first opinion says, the only thing that you need to qualify for Karpef is that should be close to the city. And he doesn't say anything about the lock because it doesn't matter if it has a lock or not. It has to be enclosed and near the city. And the Biyose is coming to argue completely. He argues on two points. He says it does not have to be close. It can be far. So he's lenient on that thing. But he's stringent and, and requires something else. It has to have a lock. And if it doesn't have a lock, and it's all good no matter where it is. So that's our question. Is he arguing on one, one item and he's lenient? Or is he arguing on two items and he's lenient on one thing? stringent on the other issue. So here's our answer. Since he uses this word, as long as it has a lock, so that means that he is uh, the first option that we said before. In other words, it implies that the uh, Biuda said, assumed he needed a lock. If you say is saying, well, as long as it has a lock, which you agree, then it can be even close. Because otherwise, it should have said, if it has a lock, not as long as it has a lock. And so, therefore, we follow the first in, uh, lenient interpretation. And the bottom line is, <laughs> we are following the Biyose, and we are following the interpretation that explains that he is lenient. And therefore, the only criteria is if it has a lock. And so it's enclosed and protected. And whatever is in there with the wood, even if it's scattered, one is allowed to collect it on Yom Tov. All right, now, next Mishnah and next topic uh, about chopping wood. So we have two parts of the Mishnah. One is about the material that we are chopping. And the second one is about the tool that we are using to chop it. So the first one says, you cannot chop wood from beams and also not from a beam that broke on Yom Tov. So the beams, that sounds like it's construction material that you have somewhere in your yard. And you have in mind, I'm going to use that for construction. Um, although it doesn't say for construction, it just says any, anything. And also, if it broke on Yom Tov, a beam of your house broke on Yom Tov, well, that's mukseh because you didn't, you didn't expect that it was going to break on Yom Tov. You didn't have it in mind from before. 
and so therefore, if a broken Yom Tov, it's still, it's still nevertheless Muxer for the entirety of Yom Tov. However, if there is a case where you are allowed to break to, to chop wood, uh, then what could you use? Uh, so you cannot use an axe or a saw or a sickle. Right? Here's some pictures of saws from Roman times. So they had saws just like ours. Sickle is usually used to cut grain, but uh, if you need to, it's pretty strong, so you can use it to chop wood also. Um, however, you can use ella bikupits. You can use a cleaver. Cleaver is used to chop meat, so uh, that's permitted. Since you're allowed to use it to chop meat, so it's something that you are you generally can use. And also during the week, you would never chop wood with a cleaver. So you're doing it in an unusual way. So even though this is talking about firewood that you're chopping, and you're allowed to do this, but don't do it in an industrial commercial weekday manner with an axe, but rather in an unusual manner with a cleaver. And this is another good example of, you might have to actually work a little harder on Yom Tov to chop wood with a cleaver than with your trusty axe. Nevertheless, a kavod Yom Tov requires that you work a little harder in order not to, not to do it in the usual way. All right, now the Gemara is gonna ask, in Kilal, the Resha says, you can't chop wood from beams and not beams that broke. It sounds like there is no such thing as anything that you can chop. So what now, why would the second half say, oh, but when you're chopping, you, you know, you can use a cleaver. It doesn't sound like you can chop anything at all. Uh, so we, we misunderstood uh, this meaning, this phrase here, that you can't chop beams. So I'm out of you, Damash Shemuel. Shemuel is the, uh, the hero of, of today's daf, by the way, sponsored by Shemuel. He has something to say about every Mishnah. Okay, so we're missing words in the Mishnah. I don't think this is a case where we're actually missing words. It sounds like this is just an interpretation of the Mishnah. And when it says, don't, don't chop a pile of beams, it's talking about here. So we add in the word, a pile of beams, which means it's set aside to be used for building material, so then you can't use it. Also, if it broke on Yom Tov, that means it was part of your house on Yom Tov, so that's fixing. The only case where it would be allowed is if a beam in your house broke before Yom Tov started, so then in the, in the beginning of Yom Tov, during Ben Hashem Hashot, you say, look at this beam that fell from my house, it's unusable and it's broken, you know what? I think I'll use it for firewood, but then you have it in mind. So that's the case where it's permitted. So even though the Mishnah didn't spell this all that explicitly, if you read it carefully, you can see it between the lines. Good. And if you when you do, when you are allowed, you should use a cleaver. Now, we have a proof that this is in fact the case. You see, if we were really adding words, the Mishnah, and we said, oh, you have the wrong version of the Mishnah, here's the real version. See, I have another manuscript with all these words in. Then you wouldn't have to bring a Braitha to, to support it. But the idea is that we're offering an interpretation by adding these words. It's kind of like, you know, in this English, you know, they put the uh, the bold is the actual words, and they add other words that aren't bold. That's what we're doing with the Chasadim Echsadah. And read it as if in, in between there was some extra words. It's really just clarification. We're not changing it. And so we have a Braita that is more explicit. So the Braita does have these words explicitly. And so this Braita could be read kind of like as a commentary uh, to the Mishnah.
all right, now that I said all that, I guess it could be an alternate version too, right? Um, so either way, um, I, between the two, anytime you have a longer text and a shorter text, I think you have to assume that the longer text is a commentary and has commentary added to the shorter text. So this baraita takes uh, literally and adds those words in. Um, all right, anyway, but they all, they all mean the same thing. Now, um, Mishnah said, you cannot use an ax. Mutar. So he says, when you use an axe, their axes had two sides. Um, you had the main part, which is called the female side. There's a few places where you could uh, today talk about male and female uh, sides uh, uh, and, uh, and still be okay. One of them is PC Richard, right? The, uh, or uh, uh, Radio Shack, right? Wires are male and female wires. Um, but axes also, this was this would be the female side, the broad side, and this is the male side. Um, and so just like our hammers today have two sides and uh, they have different uses. So generally you would use the, the, the female big side to chop wood, and, uh, the, but the, the small side also could be useful once in a while. So Rav says that this prohibition of the Mishnah is limited. When you limit a prohibition, you end up with a leniency. And so it's only prohibited to use the broad side, but to use the male side, the sharp, the smaller side, that is permitted. But that would still be an unusual way to use your ax to chop wood. Now, Mishita, Bikopitztinan. Rav, why do you even have to tell us this? Isn't this obvious? The Mishnah itself, after all, said that you're allowed to use a cleaver, and um, a, a cleaver is similar to the small side of an ax. So I could have derived it directly. Um, they're both the unusual way of using it and smaller. So that should be okay, right? Um, so no, Rav has to teach us this anyway, because here's what I might have thought if Rav didn't teach it to us. I would have thought that a cleaver by itself, just a plain old cleaver is allowed. But if let's say I had a different item, it's an axe cleaver. This is an axe and a cleaver in one. One side is a cleaver for meat. The other side is an axe for wood. Uh, I don't know if the, anyone ever actually used has such a thing. Maybe they did. It sounds like a great invention, great for camping. And you can go and uh, you know chop wood with the axe part of it to make a bonfire. And then you can use the cleaver to prepare your meat to cook on it. So when you have a two-in-one combo, what about the law there? I might have thought to say, since the X side is prohibited, so to the cleaver side will also be prohibited because they're all one tool. And that's what I was coming to teach me that just because one side is prohibited, because that's a regular X, if the other side is like a cleaver or a different, an unusual way of, of chopping, it's permitted. Um, and so not only a cleaver alone, but even a combo cleaver X would be permitted. Um, good, so that's important information. Now, this whole thing that we just said, we have another version of it that comes to about just about the same conclusion. We applied our statement to the end of the Mishnah when it says that you're allowed to use a cleaver. Rav limits the permission. Okay, if you limit the permission, then you get a stringency. In this statement, we switch around the male and female. So he says, that's only, you're only allowed to use a cleaver if you're using the broad side of a cleaver. But if you use it, so the thin side of a cleaver, 
of using a broad side of the cleaver, then it's not allowed. Now, isn't that obvious? Because we already said you can't use an X. So an X would be the same as the broad side of a cleaver. So I don't you need to say, you don't have to tell me this stuff. I could figure it out on my own. No, I might have thought that that's only for a one, an X. That's just an X. That's what's not allowed. But if I have the combo tool, it has a cleaver on one side and an X on the other side. Or since the cleaver side is okay, I'm allowed to use the X side. No, even if you have a combo, you can only use the cleaver side, but not the X side. All right, but uh, these are two sides of the same coin or two sides of the same combo tool. And the bottom line is you can use a cleaver, whether it's by itself or in combo, you cannot use an X no matter where it is, um, but you can use the other side of an X if it's a, a thin, something thin. The main idea is don't do it in the usual way with an X, but you can chop wood in an unusual way with a different type of tool. All right, and now we get to the next Mishnah. So you put some fruit inside a, a building and you closed it up with brick. I guess you really want to protect it from animals or thieves from coming and taking it. Um, but this, the, the wall fell down and uh, you have an opening, a hole in the, in the bricks so you are allowed to take from it on, um, on Yom Tov. Uh, good, so this is another leniency so that you can uh, be able to eat. Not only if the diabat, if it fell, you can even remove the bricks, make a hole so that you can get the fruit. Okay, this discussion will be uh, relevant for like, uh, you know, opening packages and stuff to get food. But this one is really worse than opening a package because it's a building. And the problem here is, aren't you deconstructing a building? You're not allowed to build. You're also not allowed to demolish. So that's our first question. Why is this allowed? Aren't you, this is a question on the Bimeir. See, if it happened on its own, you know, something uh, hit it, some, uh, some, uh, uh, it fell on its own, it was unsteady, so fine, now it's open. Um, even that's a chidush, because I might have thought it's mukseh beforehand, because it's closed up. I didn't think I was going to access it. So, okay, so the chidush of the Tanakhama says, even you don't consider it mukseh, um, uh, even though otherwise you couldn't have accessed it. But it is the bigger chidush, so you can even break it. How are you allowed to break it? Aren't you deconstructing a, a tent? Again, Shemuel has something about this Mishnah too. We're talking about a pile of bricks. We're not talking about bricks that are cemented all uh, cemented up. Yeah, if you break cemented bricks, that's deconstructing. And here it's just a, a bricks that are piled up on each other without any cement. So you see, it's meant to just be uh, closed, but not sealed. And so it's easy to take out the bricks. So therefore, not deconstructing if they're not cemented together. Now, question on that. Is that true? I have a pile of bricks on uh, uh, from uh, a pile of bricks. I'm allowed to move them on Shabbat. First, this is on Shabbat. Before, and we're talking about Yom Tov. Um, so. Since I'm allowed to sit on them, a pile of bricks, I have in mind, oh, you know what, Shabbat, I'm going to sit on these bricks. So since I'm allowed to sit on them, they're not mukseh. Therefore, if I need to move them somewhere, I'm allowed to move them. Uh, however, shedagin hu vaday aksin hu. 
if I put the bricks in a row in a nice line, then that shows that they are set aside for, for building or building material and not meant to be sitting on. And so in that case, it is mukse. Um, and so now this is a challenge to what Shemuel's answer. Shemuel said, it's a pile of bricks. Okay, even if it's a pile of bricks that aren't cemented together, so fine, it's, maybe it's not deconstructing, but it's still mukseh to move the bricks themselves. Maybe the fruit is okay, because fruit, you know, is food, so it has uh, leniency, but the bricks should be mukseh according to this. So here's our answer. Oh, the leniency that Shemuel said was talking about Yom Tov. And Yom Tov in general is more lenient, even though it's bricks and bricks. Uh, nevertheless, on Yom Tov, we're more lenient. You want to access the bricks to get food, so it's okay. Whereas the, next, the second statement of Rav Nachman, who says that if they're in a row, they're mukseh, that's talking about Shabbat. Good. Uh, we have a Braita that supports this, and this is all for the opinion of Rabbi Meir, so it's good that he's the author. So this Baraita qualifies when Rabbi Meir says that you're allowed to make a hole on purpose on Shabbat. That is only, sorry, on Yom Tov. That's only on Yom Tov, but you can't do this on Shabbat. It seems like important information that you should have told me in the Mishnah, but this Mishnah is in Masechet Besa, which is all about Yom Tov. Therefore, I guess you don't have to say it. Great. Now, um, that concludes the topic of fruit uh, stuck behind the wall. And now we get to our last topic, which is nuts. And Shemuel, once again, is the main point of discussion. Amar Shemuel, chotamot shebakarka. Chotam means, uh, it means a seal. We say it today for a signature. Uh, but it also means like a seal, like you would put on, on something that you own or a nut. In those days, they actually used knots as, a, as signatures. People had their own knots that they knew how to make. Oh, that's, uh, no, that's Joe's knot. That must be his. Um, so uh, it also is a seal because it's sealed up when something has a knot on it. Okay, we have a knot on the floor. And why would you have a knot on the floor? Like a door that goes down to a cellar or cave. Like, you know, in Manhattan streets, you have those, uh, those uh, metal doors that go down to the basement that's always scary to walk on top of. You have a lock on it. It's a, the lock is a knot. And are you allowed to undo it on Shabbat and Yom Tov? The answer is matir, You are allowed to undo the knot, but you cannot, um, you cannot uh, uh, take it off altogether or cut it. Why? Because why are you allowed to undo it? Aren't you, you know, aren't you making knots and undoing knots is a problem. That's only if it's a permanent knot. And this obviously is not a permanent knot because it's meant to be there so that you can go down and access it. So therefore, you're allowed to untie the knot. You cannot cut the knot or remove it altogether because that would be deconstructing. Since this is connected to the ground, though it's a structure, and the structure that's connected to the ground, over there you apply, you can't construct or deconstruct. So that would be the law regarding knots of something connected to the ground. Second category, shebakelim. If it's something that's a movable vessel and it has a knot on it, matir. So you're allowed also to undo it because obviously the knot is there to meant to close it up, but eventually you're going to open it. It's not a permanent knot, but you have a bag of pretzels, so you're going to open it up. Uh, not only that, you're even allowed to take it off altogether or cut it. Um, why? Because it's not, it's not constructing or deconstructing. It's not a building. It's a movable vessel. 
movable vessel, you're allowed to take it off. So this is uh, relevant for uh, sometimes you have a, you know, a bag of challah and there's a knot, there's a knot on it. The knot is so hard to get off. You're going to sit there for, for 20 minutes trying to get it off while everybody's waiting for hamotzi. It's impossible. So can you just cut it or rip it? Yes, you are allowed to do that uh, so that you can get to the food and you don't have to worry about it. Had Shabbat, had Yom Tov, and all the supplies on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Good. So this is Shemuel's statement, right? So we're going to see another uh, few other uh, other opinions. So let's just get this straight. He equates Shabbat and Yom Tov to be the same, and he does say that if it's connected to the ground, in all cases, you're allowed to undo the knot. Um, if it's connected to the ground, you cannot cut the knot. If it's a vessel, you are allowed to cut the knot. And we understand why Shemuel says that. Now, Metive, we have a challenge from Baraita. If it's connected to the ground, and on Shabbat, you're allowed to untie it. That's an agreement, but you cannot cut it. That's also an agreement because where it's connected to the ground. So good. So far, so good. However, according to this praita, even a knot that's connected to the ground, on Yom Tov, you're allowed to not only untie, uh, untie it, but also cut it. This is in contradiction to Shemuel, because he said if it's connected to the ground, you can never cut it, deconstructing. And according to this paraita, on Yom Tov, at least, you are allowed to cut it. So what are we going to do with this? How come Shemuel is going against the paraita? Oh, you know what? That paraita is a minority opinion. It's only Remember, he's the one that said um, that you can... Um, uh, take off the building, take off the bricks from that from that structure in order to get it to get at it. And so he is lenient. Um, and so that's um, on, on he was lenient on Yom Tov. Remember on Yom Tov, but not on Shabbat. So that fits perfectly with this Baraita that says on Yom Tov, Shabbat you can't. That agrees with Shemuel on Yom Tov. You can go ahead and break it. So there's no problem of deconstructing on Yom Tov to get to the food. Um, but that's a minority opinion, and the rest of the rabbis disagree. And Shemuel can say, I follow the majority opinion. All right, good. That seems to be a good answer. But we throw a wrench into it. Yeah, but do the rabbis disagree when it's connected to the ground? We see in this paraita that um, the sages agree with Rabbi Meir um, when it's talking about nuts and, uh, and it's exactly the same category that on Shabbat, yes, you can open it but not cut it. On Yom Tov, you're allowed to cut it open. So maybe they're machmir regarding bricks of a building, but nuts that are connected to the ground, they consider that fine and not, they don't think it's deconstructing. So, Shemuel, sorry, your alibi is gone. You cannot rely on the Rabbanan because Rabbanan don't agree with that. So we need a new person. Let's just go to the next Mishnah so we can finish this topic. Good, we found another Braita that fits Shemuel perfectly. Because this Braita says that when the knots are connected to the ground, you're allowed to undo it, but you're not allowed to cut it or to remove it. And Shabbat and Yom Tov are the same. Good, that fits Shemuel perfectly. So far. Here's the problem. That was the ones that connected to the ground. What about a vessel? The Braita continues. Shabbat matir, 
We are talking about Tirum of Kiabechotech. Um, if it's on a vessel, then on Shabbat you can undo it, but you cannot cut it. On Yom Tov, you can undo it and cut it. Now, this is a problem because Shemuel didn't agree with this. Shemuel said that if it's on a vessel, you're allowed to cut it anytime on Shabbat or Yom Tov. So, see, this does not fit all together with Shemuel. You explain the beginning of the first part of Shemuel's statement, but not the second part regarding the vessel. Our response is going to be that Shemuel indeed follows this Baraita. And even though the second part of the Baraita is not quite the same as Shemuel, we're going to explain that away as being a minority opinion. The second part where it talks about vessels, that part is following the Nehemia, and, and Shemuel does not agree with Rebbe Nehemia on this on this particular law. Rebbe Nehemia is a special law that we learned back when we were learning about the laws of Mukseh. He's very machmir, and he says that something that is used, that is made to use for one purpose, you cannot use for another purpose. For example, a knife that's made to cut food, you can only use it to cut food, not to cut a rope, right? Only for its designated purpose. Most uh, other people say, once something is a usable item, then you can use it for anything that is permitted, even, it's not, even though it's not its, it's designated use. So therefore, uh, what we see here is that um, the reason why he would say on Shabbat, you cannot cut it, has nothing to do with um, packaging or deconstructing or breaking or uh, anything like that. Um, really, if you wanted to break it, break it open with your hands, uh, this rope, that would be fine. Uh, you could do that. The problem is with the tool that you're using, that the knife is made for food and not made for cutting a rope. And that is the problem. So that particular detail is simply uh, the opinion of Rabbi Nehemia. And Shemuel doesn't agree with that. He does agree with the more general approach that it's not considered deconstructing, and so that's the uh, that's the place of his leniency, and so that's the reason why regarding a vessel, since there's no deconstruction, no problem with deconstructing regarding a vessel, Rabbi Nechemiah would agree with that. Not on Shabbat and not on Yom Tov. That's why Shemuel says it's allowed on both. Okay, good. So now that we said that this uh, last section is Rabbi Nechemiah, we do have a problem with this. One last problem. And why only on Shabbat do you say you're not allowed to cut it? On Yom Tov, you are allowed to cut it. should say on, on Yom Tov, also you're not allowed to cut it. Because again, the same thing. You can't use a knife that's made for cutting food to go and use a rope. And so why over here does it say it's allowed? Now, maybe you'll say, even if Nehemiah agrees, like the reasoning before that we said that, um, that Mukseh on Shabbat is more stringent than Yom Tov. So this is only a rule that applies on Shabbat. and Yom Tov, even if it's a tool that's made for one designation, you can still use it for another purpose. And maybe you'll make a difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov. If we could do, find that, then we would solve all the problems. Here's the thing. Mishanayale, did Rabbi Nechemiah really make a difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov? And now we're going to bring a proof that Rabbi Nechemiah does not distinguish between Shabbat and Yom Tov. This proof is going to involve three different Baraitot, but they're very short Baraitot, so don't worry. And this Baraitot are all talking about on Yom Tov. So whatever we say here is, is true for Yom Tov. We have the first Baraitot that says you can uh, kindle a fire with whole vessels, 
and also with broken shards of vessels, um, but not with shards of vessels. Uh, why with kelim? Because kelim say, you know, this uh, this plate I was going to use is perfectly usable. You know, and I decided I want to throw it into the fire. It's not mukseh, so then I can throw it into the fire too. Um, but if something is a broken vessel, then it's mukseh. It's not usable for food. Not usable, um, therefore, also for putting into the fire. This is going to be the Nechemya opinion. Um, now, Tanya Idach, the second Brayta says, Masikin ben bekelim ben shvirekelim says, yes, you can use anything, both full vessels and broken vessels. That's the most lenient. Tanya Idach and Masikin lo bekelim lo bekelim. The third opinion says, you cannot use anything, not uh, not um, uh, 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 full vessels and not broken vessels. So we have all three possibilities. There's three, but I talk. How can we resolve them? So we say, listen, no problem. Not kasha. The Biuda is actually the first Praita, not what I said before the Mechema. The first, uh, the first Praita is the Biuda because if it's a full vessel, it's not Mukse. So even though you can use it for, even though it's used for food, I'm allowed to throw it into the fire because the Biuda doesn't have the rule of Bechemia. And it's only a problem if it's a broken vessel, then it was Mukse. So then you can't use it for anything. The second one, how to be Shimon, the second Braita that says is lenient, has to be Shimon, whose lenient are regarding Musa, and so he doesn't, he doesn't have a problem. So what is broken vessels? You can still use it anyway. By the way, this all this sounds like the, uh, the origin of the custom when you, you, know, you drink with the glass and then you throw it into the fire. Um, okay, but and the Tanya Idach and Masikin the last opinion, that will be the Binechemia. Who says, even if I have a full vessel, a regular plate, I can use it for eating because that's what it's usually used for. Nevertheless, I cannot throw it into the fire because I cannot take something that's used for one purpose, eating, and use it for another purpose, throwing into the fire, even though making a fire is permitted. So you see, this must be and he applies his rule, not only on Shabbat, but also on Yom Tov. There's no difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov. And so now this gives a problem because who would be the author of this last section of the Baraita? And our final answer is You know what? Actually, we don't, we're not sure what Ibn Nechemiah said. And there's two transmissions, two interpretations of his words. And so although over here, these, this Tana assume a thought that Ibn Nechemiah is stringent and makes no difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov, fine. But not everyone agreed with that interpretation. And so we can have another interpretation of Rabbi Nechemiah, which would explain over here the difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov. And only on Shabbat can you not use a knife for another purpose, but on Yom Tov, you can use a knife for another purpose. And once we know that this is just a peculiar, a particular chumrah of Rabbi Nechemiah, Shemuel can reject that part of it, but still agree with the more general categorization that this, uh, with Kelim, this is not called deconstructing. And so that's why Shemuel would permit uh, opening, uh, opening wrappers, opening anything that's a movable vessel, and even if it involves cutting or ripping or taking the whole thing off, and not only untying it carefully, all that would be permitted according to Shemuel. And so with that solution, we've managed to, uh, to uh, un undo this uh, difficult Gordian knot. Amen, amen.